0: okay we're back another episode of d y or r this one was probably our best watched segment where each quarter we're gonna bring up three projects each that are unreleased to go through unpack hopefully there's a lot of them that you haven't heard of and as said, because they are unreleased we'll try and give you a bit of information of how you actually get exposed to them as well so the last one i think i picked what did I pick? Intent X. No, I picked perp Intent rock. X.
1: You I looked at mine. No, yeah, <laughs> awesome. You had a Bye. good entry vertex and juicy. Yes. The perp show.
0: Oh yeah, it ended the perp show because we didn't corroborate notes before. <laughs> this one will not be a, a perp Stack episode. Um yeah, I had good entry vertex, juicy, you had ion, intent x and per. And um, yeah. I think all's looking well in those camps. I think Intent X is doing extremely well. I think Vertex, a lot, of, a lot coming out of that camp. So if you pay attention to the, the website, there'll be a, a lot of juicy information coming out of there soon. But yeah, Intent X, the the pairs they've listed recently, it's it's going to be difficult to. And I know we said this on on that initial stream, but it's going to be really difficult to to match that.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's just anything that a any sex supports or any. Um, backer supports so you can uh, you can put on there. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, have you seen? Um, so I know we've covered intent on this segment as well quite a lot, but uh, I I was on with Jordy Alexander from oh, yeah. Mantle and Salini Capital for an episode of Still Ali that's coming out next week, and he's saying they're focusing quite heavily on being one of the number one solvers in the space and. I was just asking him about how like Marco makes a position for that, and I've even seen recently signups. You know the bridge they've they've started to. I don't know if they've rolled it out just yet, but they're they're rolling out a intense based bridge as well. And I think a lot of people are starting to pay attention to across. So as we as we mentioned previously, I think that side of the industry is only going to increase.
1: Yeah, I mean, Intense make a ton of sense for bridges, so I can't wait to see that. Yeah, just all the all
0: the uh any of the bridge liquidity that's been exploited or the founders have been arrested and they can't get access to the multi yeah. sign. <laughs> hopefully some yeah. of that goes
1: away. Yeah, obviously security <laughs> risks with bridges, but hopefully some tech like this helps. Yeah, you'd like to think so. So do yeah.
0: you wanna do you wanna kick us off with your your first pick?
1: Oh, sure. Um, yeah, this one, if people listen to the Solana Deepin episode, we talked about it, is IONet. It's a distributed clustering uh, for computer hardware. Uh, found this one, obviously, while going through the research for Solana Deepin. Uh, it's not out yet, but it's really interesting. So this the problem is trying to solve is a lot of AI startups have emerged, obviously, in the past couple years, and they need quick access to compute power and a lot of it. I think I saw a stat where compute power is doubling every few months, like necessary compute power is doubling, but chips are really difficult to source and they take a long time to procure. So there's a big problem there. And then then they have centralized solutions that exist like Amazon Web Services and Azure, but they're really expensive in comparison. And if you think about it, after the merge, you have all these uh, Ethereum miners that are just sitting idle, not doing anything. So it'd be nice if they could be put to use so IONet, it's, they're building this distributed, decentralized net of processors for mostly machine learning clusters. Um, and we talked about in the article, for a solution to be, uh, I mean, to be groundbreaking, it has to be better, faster, cheaper. And I think IONet's well, well on its way. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that looks nice. Um, so for better they already have like twenty-three thousand gpus in their network and last i checked that's like three times more than akash which is the one you really think about when you think of distributed um, computing power Uh, and their their goal is to get to one million processors in their network and they're still pretty early so we'll see if uh, they get there and a lot unlike a lot of the competition in the decentralized space they allow for like any number of these GPUs to be clustered, which is necessary for these type of workloads that machine learning goes through. Um, but it's not really available elsewhere to define like how you want your cluster to be formed. Um, so this alone kind of sets them apart. And obviously since it's crypto, you can deploy all this permissionlessly. There's no KYC, there's no signup process. You just click a few buttons and your, your machine's clustered and you start connecting. Um, so another issue with like, Amazon Web Services and the like, it takes a long time to spin up on these instances. It can take up a couple of days, but you can even look at their demo at Solana Breakpoint last year. Um, They spun up an instance within a minute or two. It was really impressive. Um, In being built on Solana, you get these micropayments that are possible. So if you want to spend a dollar, it doesn't cost you $20 in gas to do it and that lowering of, bar- of barriers is a big deal when it comes to these new projects getting on board with DeepIn. that and um, they have the all ton of built-in integrations that folks already use for machine learning processes like hugging face unreal engine pytorch ludwig kubernetes it's just all plug and play when it comes to ai and machine learning apps uh, which is a big deal because obviously yeah you want to l- lower the barrier to entry and yeah, it becomes cheaper too because you get all this existing hardware that's floating around in the ether not being used. And if they can plug into the network, it's just they get more money and we get to spend less money if you're you're building apps. Um, so yeah, uh, I think they said anywhere between 70 and 80% savings when compared to Azure, AWS for cloud computing. So it's kind of a win-win, right? You have um, way cheaper on the consumer side and then on the distribution side you get to To actually make some money with your idle hardware and we talk about a couple things at the end of here like narratives raises token bear case as far as narratives i think the ai narrative is really strong and people want exposure to that ai and crypto side of things you can just see how well renter does when there's any action on nvidia and tradfi or anything like that Um, people want exposure to that and i think IoNet makes a whole lot of sense um, problem is most of these AI crypto projects are vaporware. Not saying uh, renders vaporware, but it's it's really frothy, if anything. Um, but a lot of these smaller caps or newer projects just seem like why do they exist? As like they're just trying to get as many keywords as they can um, in their docs. Um, it's just <laughs> annoying. <the> <laughs> yeah, it's insane. It's like let's see how many of the keywords we can hit. Um, but yeah, anyway, put an extra, it...
0: extra zero on the on the initial. Pre-seed rares for every yeah, buzzword you can fit into the landing page of your deck. You know that <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah, if you put AI somewhere on your deck, it's instantly another another zero. But <laughs> the, the access to this type of hardware is definitely an, a use case that crypto can help with. Right? You want that thin middleware that can connect the buyers and the sellers of this hardware. So it makes a ton of sense. And they just raised pretty big series a from paradigm and sequoia 124 million that's it's, it's oh, nothing wow. to scoff at. yeah and uh they're apparently planning a token launch end of this quarter so i'm interested in it um i guess the bear case obviously is there's a competition and we don't really know what the tokenomics are going to look like completely they're probably going to use some kind of burn and mint equilibrium like a lot of those other deep end projects um but they have some pretty strong backers. So I'm guessing the initial launch is going to go pretty well. But, yeah, I'm excited about it. And this is one of the ones I'm watching pretty closely. Obviously, I've talked about it twice. So it's a it's pretty cool what, one.
0: I wonder what that FTV is Then it launches out. It's got to be in the billions, is
1: it? Yeah, you would think maybe 10% raise or something like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Pretty, pretty. I don't know There's if it's a... frosty, but it's, it's pretty interesting anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean wonder where i put it on the like i'm just gonna bring up coin gecko for a second on the ai category because you definitely tie it into that i think um
1: yeah, it's basically just looking at l1 or something
0: yeah yeah i've seen so i've seen a couple of people um speaking about this uh, and they're all people i actually really trust so <laughs> there's quite a lot of good confluence around this um as you say a lot to, That'll be desired when we can can actually figure out what the raise is, what the actual float is going to be, how they're gonna get it into the market, like all that kind of good stuff as well. But I don't know, I like it. You keep banging banging the drum on it.
1: <laughs> um I think it's pretty cool, man. It's a uh, it seems like it's really well thought out. Obviously it's pretty high raise, but we'll see. We'll see if yeah. that watermark is passed. I did hear,
0: and this is Complete hearsay, so don't quote me on this. But um so Messi was back on Hero Labs stream last night, yeah. and he was saying about Akash um, and having motivated founders. And he doesn't necessarily think Akash founders are still motivated after the past few years because they're all mega rich. <laughs> but there, there is something to be said to that. um And like these new emerging protocols that have caught investors to kind of make whole and and do well by and capture this narrative. But, you know,
1: yeah, it's very very well connected long term, right? It's like if the incentive only runs two years, I mean, that's how long they're going to be interested in it Um, from any side of things, right? Whether that's the builder investor community, you just have to align incentives. So it's your turn.
0: Oh, okay. So let me pull the nuts. So my first pick was Movement Labs. Now, I'm very much in the... I want to bring, it up, bring up the website because you know I'm a sucker for a really good website. So what are these guys? If you've listened to Still Early Podcast, which I encourage you all to go and subscribe to, that's our second production. Looking at founder interviews, with areas of the industry that we think people might be talking about in the near future. And before delving into move and the movie ecosystem, obviously initially your mind is going to go towards Aptos and Sui. and it's a bit of a backstory. Aptos and Sui were two projects that actually spun out of, can you remember the, the Libra DM Facebook project? Yeah, remember of course. Whole? So I don't know. Who put the stop to that? (laughs) Probably someone very, very high up in government. (laughs) Because they were were making some serious headway with it. Um, And then one half of that Facebook uh, internal project spun out into Aptos and one spun out into Suite. And while they were actually building it, they were actually looking at Solidity as a language and the EVM at scale. And they said no, we're going to rip this up and we're actually going to write something from scratch. So that's where Move was initially born. And and that's where the um, the programming language of Move as a small, smart contract execution environment was actually developed, which is quite cool. But you know what I'm like for ridiculous valuations. And I think they raised that like 11 billion or something. <laughs> they got that Silicon Valley money. <laughs> so um, I'm not too encouraged by those two as ecosystems, although between us here, I'm I'm hearing a lot of movements about SWE and a, a very explosive ecosystem about to, to come online. So keep keep an eye on what's happening there. But that's not what I actually want to get into today. So movement labs, they kind of looked at this and thought, well, what can we do to kind of accelerate this adoption in the crypto industry and beyond. So basically what these guy are, these guys are as they are creating a full tech stack, full SDK for integration of move, whether that's existing chains, new chains, sovereigns, L1s, L2s, whatever have you, they're going to be providing the infrastructure to enable move to get truly adopted in the industry. And the, the closest thing I can kind of liken it to is yeah, it's, I suppose it's an ecosystem of ecosystems, and the closest thing I can kind of relate that back to is, like, Atom and the Cosmos SDK. <laughs> as, as I was saying, the, the closest thing I can liken it to, because I don't think there's much like this, is basically how Cosmos enabled the kind of internet blockchains, or um, however they kind of phrase it now. So why move and why am i interested in this in particular so as we were saying with bridges going to more intense based systems why would that be beneficial one the amount of re-entrancy attacks and minor exploits that have caused billions upon billions lost in the ecosystem is just unacceptable at at this stage and purely this comes down to a lot of the shortcomings of solidity um, as a program lounge in a smart contract environment on the EVM. So, Move, because it was initially coming out of the Facebook camp, they had to really take a look at this and think, well, how do we kind of silo away the risk? And because of the way that Move is actually designed and the Move VM is actually designed, the re entrancy is, I won't say 100% mitigated, because that would just be completely stupid. Every piece of code has, has bugs. But it's orders of magnitude better from a security perspective. And I've heard this from multiple sources because I do often get carried away, so I, then I have to go and kind of cross-reference. <laughs> so, uh, and it was the Movement Labs who guys who, who told me this initially, but then, as I say, I've been to I've been to cross-check this. So if Cooper's listening, not that I didn't believe you, but you know, seemed seemed really good. <laughs> so trust what these guys are doing, yeah, <laughs> don't trust verify. So what? What I like about this is, one, because of the way that this is set up, Movement Labs are going to enable lots of other chains, but they're also going to have two initial chains themselves. So they're going to have M1, which is technically an Avalanche subnet, but it's built um, using Move, and it will have a MoveVM. And then two, they're going to have M2, which is a MoveVM ZK layer on Ethereum. And this is where it starts to show some of the additional benefits on top of security as opposed to what we're currently seeing on the standard EVM. So this is going to be a buzzword. We're probably going to have to cover this in its in its own episode, but first parallelized move EVM, right? So big yeah. buzzword, big bonad, push, big say push. I think there's a few of us trying to push it. I know... Data availability is a big issue when it comes to polarization. And I think Monad released their hardware requirements earlier. And a lot of people were saying that they were seemingly too low from what I could yeah. tell. So so Mert from Solana said, yeah, you're going to need a double that on the comment. But he he, <laughs> he kind of would say that. So for those of you listening on Spotify, it also says on M2, which is, again, move VM together on Ethereum. 0.01, less than 0.01 cent uh, gas fees. Theoretical TPS of 160,000 transactions per second, which is you know, pretty good. like to see that in action. And then another aspect of the industry that is kind of talked about, but a lot of LTs like to kind of just uh, keep it hush-hush and, and work on it in the background is the centralized sequencer enabling sub-second finality. So. Another kicker that's written just below that is M2 is the fastest, most secure L2 on the market, leveraging Celestia for data availability. So maybe, just maybe, you might see another juicy tier, stick, a stick tier airdrop uh, here. So again, tie level, increased, um, well, decreased security, um, oh, increased reliability through security because of move. There's parallelization, Basically, inbuilt, which opens up the design space massively, drastically reduced gas fees, and theoretical TPS is like really, really, really impressive. Um, and again, this plays massively into the whole modularity aspect. There's going to be a shit ton of networks that look at this and think, "Yeah, we should actually have one of those." So Avalanche, technically, kind of a first mover on this with M1, one of the movement labs is uh, Sovereign L1, but. If you listen to the still early episode with that I did with Move, the movement labs guys, they've already partnered with Arbitrum Orbit, which is technically Arbitrum's um, tech stack to enable L2s to be spun up using the Arbitrum stack. So I wouldn't be surprised. If... Right? Yeah. Uh, no, they've got two of them. Arbitrum. I Orbit which was
1: their L3s. They have uh, Stylus, which is like um anyone can spin up chains using whatever language they want maybe they uh, nice built out or bit more
0: yeah no yeah yeah you uh, yeah you're correct orbit is like similar to a nova so basically they're rolling that out they said op stack integration basically done polygon SCDK, i believe they call it tech stack already done so i think you're going to see each ecosystem take a crack at this um and if it takes off it takes off so what i did say in all right where's it that solution blah 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 covered all that narratives as i say it's kind of a modular monster taps into that and obviously a lot of nice references to celestia
1: <laughs> Which <we all> like. <laughs> <Doesn't hurt. laughs>
0: um infrastructure and co-leveraging of over ecosystems great to kind of bootstrap initial attention which it's, it's definitely doing um token nothing yet but if you kind of read between the lines of m1 and m2 i'd imagine if you get over there and you're interacting and trying stuff out potentially going to be something um the razor section i've put they did a pre-seed of 3.4 mil i'm not sure what that valuation was but i'm sure it'll come out relatively soon and then my bear case and i think this is quite um you know, you'd expect this. So I, I think there's probably a longer road to developer adoption than everyone anticipates. If Aptos and Sui run and just it's a, you know what it's like, it's it's this perpetual flywheel of oh hot ecosystem brings in new developer talent because Rise and Tide lifts all ships, and then hopefully you get some retention around there and people kind of come over and take a look. It took Solana a long time to reach that kind of level. Apparently there is a little bit of a closer crossover with if you kind of got a strong base of Rust, and uh, Cooper's saying there's like roughly around two weeks in here. you should be able to get your ha- uh, head around it to quite a high level if you do actually have that strong fundamental base. But yeah, long road to developer adoption, not necessarily t- battle-tested with regards to security and lendiness, although there are huge um, pros to the actual programming language in and of itself, but Yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be a long one. I don't think you're going to get a million X overnight, but um, if it begins to peak developer interest, then I think it's definitely one to watch.
1: Yeah, I actually heard that um, move is a lot easier to learn than Rust um, from a developer side. I'm obviously not dev, but I have heard that. I do wonder how well they're going to integrate with all these different tech stacks or how well they're going to all play nicely together. Um, There's just so many L2s these days. Hopefully, those interoperability standards become standard, just so they can all play nicely together. But it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm excited to see this new language and how it interacts with the rest of things. Because yeah, like you said, SUI and Aptos are kind of their own monsters on their own. So they're it's even cool slightly.
0: They're even they're even slightly different. Yeah, variations on move as well. Right. So you wouldn't you wouldn't have a hundred percent equivalence or portability if you had an app on aptus this week. So there is, a, yeah. there is slight variation in, in in each implementation of the code base there as well which obviously throws
1: things to shit so it's funny right <laughs> it's like all these silos within yeah. or these different chains. Interesting. It's pretty cool though. Yeah excited to see these yep. guys build what's uh what's next on your list? So next up I had ritual so they're basically a decentralized AI coprocessor for different applications. So I started looking into this. I came up uh, as a a project that's bootstrapping their security with eigenlayer restaking because I've been going through a lot of restaking stuff recently. Um, So basically the problem they're trying to solve is AI models these days are constrained massively because they're behind permissioned and centralized APIs. So if you think like the big ones like ChatGPT, they're very... um, very constrained. Um, so existing platforms don't offer any guarantees or proof that their data is accurate. Like it, it plant, flat out says check, GPT can lie to you and it can do with a straight face, pretty much. Yeah, there you go. And uh, Or even how they came up with their solution in the, in the first place. You have no idea where the data came from. So what Ritual is trying to do is they're trying to host these nodes um, where users can host AI or machine learning models And they're they're basically trying to give that compute access and model creating access to these different creators. And these hosts can fine tune these models permissionlessly. There's no overlord saying what you can and can't do with these models. And then with these models, Rituals allows different smart contracts to easily query uh, these models. So like from an all singular common API. So the AI can handle complex logic and automation on chain that smart contracts are not well equipped to do. So you have these AI models and you have these smart contracts, and basically, uh, Ritual acts as that integration point. So it integrates. Uh, so like a smart contract can call an AI model, an AI model can call a smart contract. So there's some huge possibilities there, and because it's all built on chain, there's guarantees of privacy and security with in and built-in proofs right there. Um. So, and they're bootstrapping their security with Eigenlayer and they're gonna be accessible by any chain and also by Web2 services because they have this general messaging passing passing design. So it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be located on Ethereum to use this. You can be any chain or basically just calling this API to use it. Um, So I'm pretty excited about it. There are some other protocols out there with a similar goal, but I think Ritual is the most well thought out Um, It really ties into the AI narrative that we're already talking about. And with modular blockchains, if you look at their architecture, it's trying to leverage the best of the business. Um, They have this really cool um, architecture diagram. Yeah. If you actually go and click on the link below that, I think you can play around with this one. Oh, Um, nice. Yeah. You can like hover over any of these pieces. Uh, Maybe not. There's another, I can link a a page. uh, Yeah. But anyway, you can hover over all of them. Pretty cool. Um, I think it feels like they thought about everything in detail on how best to do this. Uh, no token yet. Obviously, they're just testing out. They call it the infranet, which is their first set of nodes. Um, but it's live. For, that part is live for builders today that mess around with. And the idea is that if you build a node, if you build an AI model that's very useful, um, you get rewarded more. And depending on how well you build these models, uh, hopefully it rewards the, the most useful ones. Um, they had a Series A that was uh, raised uh, twenty-five million dollars, so pretty pretty hefty still. Um, but yeah, as far as bear case, there are a lot of there are some other protocols out there that have a similar goal. But like I said, I think this one's really well thought out and has some really smart backers. So I, I'm pretty excited about these ones in particular. I think it checks some boxes. Like we're always looking out, like we said, for the AI products that actually make sense, and I think this one uh, actually makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll see, I guess another risk is that it, it opens up at a crazy high valuation given all this hype and uh, the tokenomics don't make sense, but we'll see. I think this one has a lot of potential. I think uh, it makes sense to decentralize these AI models just because if you give so much power to these centralized actors, it becomes really dangerous.
0: Well, I think that was a lot of Elon's pushback over open AI. And I know there was another angle that he didn't like it being for profit even though they're rolling out Grok, which right. doesn't But um yeah, I suppose like if you keep it um open and decentralized, then you know, any shenanigans that are actually going on under the hood, then it's it's open and transparent for people to see. But pretty stacked uh cap table. Biology seems to be on every single cap table on the planet. it's <laughs> <I know.
1: laughs> killing it. Yeah and Calvin too from Eigenlayer. He yeah. seems to be on a lot of these too. Yeah, it looks like
0: it might take a bit of secondary from his eigenlayer.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it makes, makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um,
0: you, you good with that one? Should we move on?
1: Yeah, I found the architectural link. It's right under the image I, I um, posted in the uh, the notes. So you can share that if you want. But yeah, pretty cool. Excited about that one.
0: The This one?
1: Yeah, yeah, that one right there. So you can hover over any of these pieces, and it'll tell you right below which of these uh, things right, are. Okay. Uh, maybe not those ones specifically, but like the restaking and. Now that was it. You just, I, just those ones didn't particularly. Oh right, good. okay.
0: Yeah. Much of stars read. Oh,
1: this is, this is actually really cool. Yeah, because it is kind of a complex design, but it they try to break it down into how it works.
0: Man, you could fool me with a great website. I'm such a sucker <laughs> for this kind of thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah that's another zero on the
0: cap table today. yeah
1: absolutely <laughs> interactive deck all in <laughs>
0: <laughs> you'd be surprised man
1: some decks that are really shoddy it's, uh, all right it's big. yeah all right you wanted to go Where next go from... yeah
0: so i think you've probably got some thoughts on this one as well but my, my second choice was clay stack so um found this during doing some dd for blockmates 2024 thesis so and thanks to everyone who's read that there's uh some really great numbers coming in and lots of nice feedback so right so what's the problem i actually interviewed the guys from ssv network yesterday which are paying huge attention to distributed validator technology and i think we're going to be hearing an awful lot of this because there's a lot of projects going online A similar sort of time that are operating in this environment and high high level to this is dvt a couple of the operators in this business are ssv network obol clay stack albeit a kind of different 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 take on it but it's a way to mitigate any single point of failure on liquid staking so you can actually split up a validator key into numerous different keys and different geolocations across different execution clients, um, all different um, across different pieces of hardware. So, again, just removing any single point of failure. If one of those um, validators, one of those nodes were to go down, you're still um, fulfilling your duties whilst you're staking on the network. So, increase reliability, increase durability of the network, increase the centralization um obviously there's a lot of talk around lido's not lido's market share is not going anywhere anytime soon right, right. <laughs> it's just not did you see the numbers for the for the vote the self oh yeah vote?
1: ridiculous 99.8 yeah,
0: percent like voted <laughs> against
1: <laughs> yeah so like no why would we no why why would we <laughs> i'm not doing it so it is funny though like the incumbent or the folks that are trying to unsee Lido. It's like, yeah, we'll self-limit. Yeah. If we, we won't put ourselves above 33%. It's like you're not even close to 33%. <laughs>
0: kind it's of very noble of you.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. So the issue is that's not going anywhere. Not not going anywhere anytime soon. And there's inherent risk on that. There's something we should actually do uh maybe it's just a one or two pager on the supermajority of geth as well because that that's obviously a big issue as well oh, yeah. as being the main execution client on ethereum which is causing a lot of concern recently and yeah so dbt as, as a way to kind of mitigate that or dampen the effects of that and just increase reliability across all the validators that are plugging into distributed validator technology so because I've been eagle-eyed around SSV for a while and I think SSV is going to be potentially a good player and our financial advice and all that good stuff. Um, they did actually come out with a post recently where they said, and I'll get onto Clay's Dack in a minute, but this is this is kind of like just setting the scene for you, that they could actually use DVT to tap into restaking and shared security and enable a much more reliable network of validation across the active actively validated services, whether that be insert product here, Bridge, Oracle, L2, as we've seen, that are going to be leveraging their security from ReStick through IconLayer. Interesting. So, ClearStack comes around and basically immediately after <laughs> hearing all this and reading all this, this pops up. And um, just a plug for the roll-up, which I think are a really good uh, media organization. They've got a great podcast. They've got a lot of great content that comes out primarily focused on modularity and all that good stuff i think we'll get andy on relatively soon just to talk through that because i really like what those guys are doing I um, and guy. these yeah they they brought up they, they brought up claire so and put put this on the on the radar and again it popped up during due diligence and then kind of came up in this ssv talk as well so it's like that rule of three if you hear it from three separate kind of yeah sources then go and check it out but um so basically what their website's saying for anyone listening is natively restake your ETH in a slash resistant modular distributed validated technology based liquid state protocol. So that is a bit of a mouthful, but in essence, basically that means you're going to stake ETH through eigenlayer, and then you can actually restake that across a lot of actively validated services, whether that be, um, as we say, a bridge in Oracle, whoever's using the eigenlayer to bootstrap shop the initial security. Um, and not only do you just stop there, you can then also decentralize and increase the reliability and remove the single point of failure of the validators of that restaking network. So basically, it just makes the whole restaking and active, actively validated services um, that are using the shared security of eigenlayers, restaked the ETH, and it just ensures a much smoother process, a lot less downtime, a lot less reduced slashing risk. I don't know if slash resistant is the right phrase here because... A lot of stuff can still go wrong and you'd need every validator to opt in to well, being running on DVT as well to make it yeah, completely I think it, it's just <laughs> saying that.
1: Yeah, I think it's just saying that it's there's less of a chance that all of these validators are going to collude at the same time. Like if one validator is colluding or is trying to act maliciously, uh, it's sharing the keys so it can't overrule yeah. over- over- everybody else. So it just kind of yeah. spreads out even more.
0: Exactly. So I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of this, and like I put in the notes. It's, it's a bit of a a narrative monster in the fact that it's tapping into restaking. It's going to be probably plugged into a lot of AVSs. All the keywords. And also, yeah, and I also think DVT is only going to come onto people's radar more and more over the next couple of months because I know a lot of these, like OBAL doesn't have never talking. The token for Claystack, I believe you can stake eve on clay stack and then you don't want to say the word the p word but you start to receive <laughs> clear points <laughs> everywhere man. and and, be- and because they're they're restaking you stick on their platform they'll restick it in argument for you, you earn, you're you technically earning double points because you're earning the clear points and then you're earning the EigenLayer restake points as well so All the want points. to check out want to check out uh what did i put for burkus so burkus it goes over people's head. <laughs> <laughs> um, DBT is slow to be adopted by LSTs and LRT providers. I know Lido are doing a capped rollout, so like I don't know half a percent of um, nodes in their selected network will start implementing and start using DBT. So I think it's a long adoption curve, but I think there will be a social. There'll be a lot of social pressure to move towards it. Um, and that, the last point was, which didn't make a lot of sense. Oh, yeah, it actually does. gets lost in the source of lots of other, other shiny restaking projects that probably have a lot more Ponzi topics going on. So that's yeah, clear
1: Yeah, with restaking, you do get a lot into compounding risk. So it's, I think it's going to become bl- glaringly obvious that there is way more risk in these LRTs versus the LSTs. So I think... Um, uh, dvt is gonna take the spotlight eventually maybe not right away until something blows up and people are like "Uh oh how could we have prevented this uh <laughs> and something and dvt is gonna take the spotlight i think um but it's really cool yeah i like uh that we're actually talking about it and that one of the options exists protocols can stop launching lrt projects so i can finish my research that'd be great seems like there's a new one every day and i could <laughs> add it to my list <laughs> Man, i've got thing. so many as well
0: i haven't even came up with stealth that i need to Kind of are you send serious you the... oh,
1: okay. yeah yeah i started at, well, with a list of 10 i think there's 14 or 15 now it's uh it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's ridiculous oh, but goodness. it's good to see people are building it is exciting times for sure
0: your next one's a great pick
1: yeah man I, i've been wanting to talk I, about I this, for this for one. a while uh, So it's pretty cool i so the next one third one on my list is parcel so basically real estate perps and yeah, i was just thinking don't worry we'll get there so i, I was playing around with Solana a lot. Um, right before the Jito airdrop, I guess I got lucky. Um, but anyway, playing around with Solana, see what was out there. And I think Ansem mentioned this one a while back um, before it had a points program, before it got on everyone everyone's radar. I thought it was pretty cool. So the whole idea that people want real estate exposure on chain has been kind of a meme for a while. Because who actually wants it? I don't know. But I think it's kind of cool that we're trying different things. But it's been an issue. like It's been tough tokenizing the real estate. Um, because you think about the liquidation process of selling a house is very complicated and you can't just market sell a house um, because you actually have to physically sell that piece of property. Um, And you have to trust that there's there's no no AMMs for houses. (laughs) No, unfortunately (laughs) not. And do you have to really trust that the centralized institution is going to act on your best interest and not be like a greedy middleman taking 20% spreads or whatever? They'd never do that. (laughs) <laughs> no, they wouldn't do that. Yeah, definitely not. Um, I mean, you, you saw what was that USDR that was backed by real estate? You just, this is it a liquidity yeah. issue, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's actually physical real estate backing, there's an issue. So the solution that Parcel came up with was like a VAM V-A-M-M design, which is kind of like how GMX operates, where traders are trading against a single liquidity pool. So you have funding rates in place so that the market converges towards like a 50 50 long short and there's margin requirements that also increase if you skew the trading of the market too much so if you skew it way more towards long or short learn funding and pay more margin requirements too and there's trading and liquidation fees so in theory the house should always win or in this case the lps that back up these uh pools should always win uh, it's As you can probably guess, it's really influenced by synthetics. Um, A lot of influence there and you can cross margin. So you can long short different markets and have those positions cancel them out a little bit so you don't have to post margin for both, which is pretty cool. Um, The real big innovation they have is their price feed model. Uh, It Tracks real estate prices on a daily basis across multiple markets and property types. And they use it one single metric. They use price per square foot. So that's the only metric you're going to see here. And uh, it's kind of novel because other indices do exist. Like if you probably might have heard of like the Case-Shiller index, but that really only looks at very specific types of properties. Like Case-Shiller only looks at single-family houses. They only consider repeated sales. They have lags on when this data is released. And they don't really have granularity on which market is which. Uh, so from Parcel's point of view, they have this internal bespoke process to ingest the data and output a median daily price per square foot estimate so every day they release a new price and the market shifts a little bit and with with their model they can look at a varying degree of different uh, geographical scopes so you can look at the state level well, this is all for the most part us um, but they have a couple of new ones here i guess they have some french markets too um, but you can look at like the state level the metro level the city level you can kind of expand the aperture as much as you want and they have this API built in that other product could leverage if they want to. So they could um, build on that API too. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I Denver. Love how, has been
0: really uh, I love how bit. Denver. Yeah, Denver is the the biggest loser across the past three months, and that's obviously because if Denver is happening relatively soon. Yeah, that's right. And don't exactly. want all the, all the crypto <laughs> bros are coming to <come> into town. <laughs> uh, Denver's been
1: <laughs> it's shot up like crazy, in uh people moving there like last 10 years oh really oh yeah yeah people just trying to re-
0: reversion to the mean
1: yeah i think it's just mean reversion i think you, a lot of these too like san fran and uh, brooklyn's in there too so kind of the big cities um yeah struggling a bit but it's interesting anyway and um So I, yeah, I know a lot of yeah, people paying like half a million for like a two-bed flat that's <laughs> uh, insane man yeah denver it's like any nice suburb, it's like a million for a house. It's insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking some from experience, um, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, they have a decent TVL ever since they launched points, of course. Um, so I guess that's how you get exposure. Check out their points program; pretty cool. And the only reason I, I wanted to do this episode was to show my um, ref ref link anyway, so it's fine. Um, yeah, but it's pretty pretty put that, fun. Put that in the description, by the way. Yeah, you just use five six three. He got you got me. I can uh, feed my family. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just playing. It's fun to play around with these new projects for sure, and to see one that's not just a new. I don't know. It is a perp text, but it's it is kind of a novel idea. Uh, it's pretty cool, and they actually have some new data or some new technology that they're using right with their uh, proprietary um, index model. Uh, but yeah, narratives they're attaching themselves to Solana DeFi, which has been kind of struggling. Obviously, you always think of like Ethereum and the L2s as DeFi, and maybe Solana for consumer apps or uh, different types of apps that aren't necessarily DeFi. Um, and then Real World we, <laughs> RWA's <laughs> for uh, <laughs> um, if that ever comes back, uh, something physical that you can tie down, where it's not just monkey JPEGs. Um, but in theory, there are houses that back these up. Uh, at least somewhere down the line uh no token yet obviously but we talked about there's points you know go farm those if you feel like it they had a seed round back in december of 21 so it's been a while they raised four million dollars back then They had some pretty big um vcs are archetype dragonfly shima Parify, coinbase tribe so some big names but they haven't raised in a while but it seems like they keep shipping they just released their new version so that that part's exciting to see i'm kind of interested to see if they uh they raise anytime soon because I'd, I'd it seems like that right be, in the right time yeah yeah it's been a while um but yeah bear case i guess that no one cares about trading real estate in the blockchain um at least they offer leverage for you guys so go ahead <laughs> i think it's maybe it's only up like <laughs> 5x or something like that but it's still pretty cool something fun to play around with anyway
0: yeah i love that one i think it's great i'm gonna try and align calendars with, and get them on
1: i know that me being
0: out here was a pretty difficult time to get them on, but if I have to do early or late, I think it'd be a good conversation. Um, do you move on? Last one. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so this one is Blueberry Protocol. And this is not to be mistaken with the Blueberry Club from GMX. But definitely not blueberry. Different. I'm trying to get to the landing page, it won't have it. But anyway, right. So blueberry protocol. If you search it on Twitter the blueberries, I think their tag is Blueberry Foundation or, or some shit like that. But I'll leave all the links below in the description. So how I found it is I actually spoke with um Slater, their founder, a long time ago now. And I knew through the bear they were working on this product called Bloom, which was uh like a RWA treasuries uh backed stablecoin, which is quite actually quite topical with Undo happening at the minute. But they were always working on Blueberry and Blueberry um, seeks to increase the amount of capital efficiency that you can actually get from a lending market. So what the first time I I came into DeFi and I seen Compound and Aave and stuff like that, I was like, why would anyone want to? Deposit a thousand dollars and borrow eight hundred dollars. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's <laughs> when I was really, really smooth, Brand. And I was like, oh, it's uh, it's actually leverage, <laughs> or you can go a long or short. Um, but that is technically still an issue, and because of the permissionless nature of, of DeFi and the, and the industry as a whole, you're probably all, always going to have um over over collateralized lending as the kind of mainstay lending and borrowing and money markets in the industry but it's not very capital efficient and it's a little bit boring and it's quite intensive you're not using kind of yield box strategies or dgem box under the hood to kind of just manually enable your loops um, and your unwinding as well so i don't there was there was a taboo about um under collateralized lending protocols in DeFi because None of them seem to actually work <laughs> for a number of reasons, but and and this is a big but, I think these guys have actually potentially Touchwood could like them cracked it. So I wouldn't say it's too dissimilar from a gearbox if you've ever used gearbox, but right. they kind of silo and isolate away any risk for each specific trade. So basically, what happens is, let's say for example, you've got. ETH, let's say you've got $1,000 worth of ETH and you want to go 5x long on ETH uh, using their lending in a market. So you're not going to be able to do that on Harvey unless you loop it a billion times and you're still not never going to be able to do it anywhere. So what you can actually do is borrow up to a 1,000 times loan to value or LTV. And the way that they actually do it and the way that they silo it and isolate the risk is... Once you state your collateral, state how much you want to borrow, and then state the um, actual use of your borrow. So, like what strategy you're actually going to do, then they bundle all of that into an NFT. So, you've got the collateral asset, the borrowed asset, and the strategy. And then basically your positions opened. So, let's say in that specific NFT, you want to go, what could be quite interesting actually is if you took some stake thief that deposited it in, let's say you deposit thousand dollars worth say you want to go 5x long so in the nft you've got your thousand st- dollars worth staked if you've got the borrowed amount which is five thousand dollars worth staked if and then you've also just said this is just a long position so nft represents the whole position now just because you're borrowing doesn't mean you're removing any risk of liquidation you certainly are but then let's say that price drops i don't know 20 percent then obviously that you're going to hit your liquidation threshold, and then the position unwinds, and the borrower uh, and the protocol takes its fees, and then it unwinds, and you've been liquidated. You've been wrecked again for the tenth time this week. But it's quite right. interesting. Yeah, exactly. It's just a just a <laughs> note. You, you probably won't get a liquidation email, which could be quite nice. But you know, but what a <laughs> nice surprise in the morning. Yeah, exactly. Just <laughs> wake up and you're not gonna be really woke up to a lot of Binance or Bybit emails. But uh <laughs> what, I, what I thought what I thought was really interesting is um so you can definitely just specify if you wanna kind of go long and short, that's completely fine. Um they're gonna have leveraged yield farming strategies with selected um with other selected protocols. So say there's a convex Eve position there might be um, a position that you could deploy into that's kind of on curve or something like that. And they're gonna be like kind of already preset strategies. So you could go leverage long on, I don't know, staked ETH, ETH, that's in convex earning, CRV and CVX rewards, whatever. Um, And they're also gonna enable these concentrated Equity AMM vaults where you could actually just say, I've got $1,000 worth of ETH. I want $5,000 worth of ETH exposure in one of your UniV3, Vaults, so it's like a kind of leveraged, um, concentrated liquidity position as well. So, there is a token announced, you'll be happy to know. They're going to do a lock drop, no points nice. on this one. <laughs> so, you can actually go and, yeah, you can actually go and um, take a peek at that. So, again, that one's Blueberry Protocol. And yeah, I've I've spoke to the team, generally good, good people, you know, you can always get a good good kind of um good vibe assessment when yeah when you speak to it in, in real life and yeah i'm quietly optimistic i think there's going to be a shit ton of lst and lrt strategies that could get implemented here and these are going to DGEN and they're going to look to the likes of blueberry to kind of gain that additional exposure without going through the painstaking looping of rv and other money markets on the market but i think that one is the last one for me
1: yeah so help me understand so I guess the benefit over perps, because on perps, you could just go 5X long, right? The benefit is that you can take that 5X position and then do something with it. So do something else within DeFi. So you go and you have your one ETH and you want to borrow five against it. And then you can go put that in some kind of leverage yield farm. Um, That's pretty cool. Because you get 5X exposure to that farm. But I guess you do still have a liquidation threshold you have to be careful of.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think... um lending like money markets are a little bit easier on the fees as opposed yeah, to sense. Uh, like yeah. arve and compound aprs typically always outperform the likes of your on-chain perhaps taxes as well so like a lot of people you'll see if you see a lot of large money moving around and you can see them leveraging or shorting. that they're, they're probably going to be using the money market that makes as opposed sense. To actually as opposed to actually going and eating a shit ton of slippage, um, on a slippage on a per stack. So, pros and cons of both, obviously. But uh, yeah, it, it seems quite interesting, a little bit. Something unique, I think.
1: Yeah, no, probably because funding rates change around so much too on those taxes. Yeah, a little more yeah, expected. That's cool. Yeah, I'm excited to see a lot of this innovation happening with the DeFi space and doing some fun stuff with these money Legos.
0: Absolutely. So, I think that's it for Q1 episode of Tokens to Tokens and Projects to watch. I think that was a good one.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, uh, There's a lot more to look into. So hopefully folks are paying attention to the markets because there's a lot of cool projects launching right now. Should we do an LRT episode soon? Oh, man. Yeah, sure. (laughs) There's a lot to go through, but I'm down.
0: Might have to be a week-long live stream.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm trying best to understand how the how we should uh present that i don't know we can figure it out there's a lot to go through so maybe that would be helpful to people because there's a lot out there
0: all right well if you enjoyed that please like subscribe do all that good stuff and yeah we'll see you next time hope you enjoyed it goodbye